I will start. Okay. Because I saw the movie first, and I also saw it twice. And you're black. Uh, yes. <laughs> if you have any thoughts out there on, on this film, which I'm sure many people do. Get them to us. Yeah, seriously. Uh, find us. you're on. white. Always feel free Unless to find us. Unless you're a white us. piece of shit like Nick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what they should do. They should make a black version of The Witch. Oh, I thought you were going to say they should make a black version of The oh, Witch. No. So. White Philip. <laughs> All the children are black. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I still got that same overbite. (laughs) Welcome into Film Tank the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the 2017 horror mystery, which is Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome in to episode 107 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with the two regulars, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. What is your purpose, Alex? Also, Nick Cheney here. With hey, that. what's up, guys? Yeah! I'm just here to have fun. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Also, today, we're, our, we're keeping in theme with the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> also with us today, uh, our friend who's joined us uh, a few times, uh, joined us for, I think, four episodes This is year? number four. Wow. wow. Oh, just like yesterday, you guys. I know, right? <laughs> like it was yesterday. It's fine. <laughs> That's we, what I meant. We won't dock you any points. Uh, Anna Bodazadu here to join us yet again. Hello. Thank you for having me back. So Hi. good. As always, we're excited to uh, to have you. Yeah. It gets uh, a little tiresome just, you know, What's dealing with Tucson every week. So. Oh, yeah. I bet. Having I don't think so. I don't believe having, you. Having, oh, thanks, Anna. <laughs> That was that was kind of a weird thing to do with your head there. It was it, it, I, I don't know why. I had a long, boring day at work. I'm excited that's to fine. be here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. Hey, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. So, good stuff. So, anyways, we are here today talking about uh, a movie that has gotten a lot of buzz, uh, even if it hasn't necessarily resulted in huge box office results. But uh, that is the film Get Out. Uh, directed and written by Jordan Peele, and is this his first full-length directorial debut? Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the- I gotta say, I really see the appeal here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. He's a real. I always am. He's, he's a comedian. He's Plus an one. Artist, and he's a director. Are you talking about Nick? <laughs> Yes, and also Jordan Peele. And how much money did his film make, Anna? $140 million. Hell yeah, it did. Which oh, one is that? Yeah. Get Out. Oh, this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, it yeah. didn't have more than Worldwide one. or, box, or uh, domestic? Pretty sure th- this is domestic. Whoa. Yeah. 
It did overperform in. Well, I know, I, I, I know way. it did, but yeah. that's a big number. No, that's for, worldwide. I'm sorry, but domestic. Um, but domestic, I mean, was still 137 of that million. Oh, so, yeah. wow! Still okay. very good. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, that's those are the people kind of... outside of this country. Are like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> um, those are the kind of numbers that's going to get him to like direct. Uh, the third Jurassic World movie or something. No, I'm I'm excited because he says he already has a plan for at least four more wow. social thriller horror movies like this one, but I, different themes. I hope He's nice. very active on Twitter about his, you know, yeah. what his plans are and what he wants to do and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. So, so this film uh, centers around a young African American man named Chris. Can I read? Can I read the description? <laughs> yeah. A young African American man named Chris, <laughs> who uh, visits his he's ca- psychic, <laughs> visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious. Now, do we have estate. to mention she's Caucasian? Is yes, that really pertinent to the plot. Yes, that'd be something if it was black people who were kidnapping <laughs> black people. I don't know if it would have had the same sting. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't we haven't crossed that barrier yet. No. Well, but the, we kind of <laughs> left that barrier behind in the era of black exploitation, and then. <laughs> yes. Can we say we've really left any barriers behind? Oh, absolutely! I think racism was solved in the '90s when Bill Clinton became president. Yep. As soon as he played, he, look, him and that he, saxophone. Play, he played that saxophone in Arsenio <laughs> Hall, and he blow he blowed hey. that horn so loud. And you know, luckily now. Things are, are looking up. Uh, Ryan Gosling saved jazz. Yep. You know, Emma Stone's no longer white. Yeah, they handed the Oscar, you know, over because they wanted to to Moonlight. They didn't have to do it. No, they wanted to. Nope. Um, you know, it's really important. So, yeah. you know, big things, big, big things. things, big things. And there's nothing going on uh, yeah. to you know negative for those people. Scarlett Johansson's going to be Asian soon. She's that's not black. That's a really really <laughs> progressive thing. It's a really progressive thing. It's a really progressive thing. So this film stars Daniel Kalula as Chris Washington. Is that is that good? Yeah, you did yeah, it. Yeah, you Thank did you. a great job. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, also, Allison Williams here, uh, previously doing works on mostly on television, including... Uh, uh, Goyles. A, girls. A, elongated stint on girls, or Goyles. Um, Bradley Whitford, uh, who uh, most people like myself will... Remember from the Adam Sandler no, classic? Not most people. Most sane people remember as Josh Lyman in the West Wing. No. Billy Madison, baby. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So clearly. He looks so he, That's how most people are remembering. Also, Cabin so in the Woods different. as well. well yeah. Mm-hmm. To a lesser Whoa. extent. What? He looks Josh. good with a beard. Josh. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, he does. Yeah, he looks so different. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. hey. Uh, also, too, uh, the other main star here is Catherine Keener uh, playing uh, Bradley Whitford's wife as they are playing Dean and Missy Armitage. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know who necessarily wants to start off uh, with this film. I-, I know that Toussaint was the first one to go see it and mm-hmm. recommended this film to myself and Nick. Mm-hmm. And also, Anna didn't necessarily see this just for this episode. She saw this and, and felt the need to go online and, and make mention to it on, on Twitter. And I caught on. I was like, you should do an episode with us. And now we're here. So. Thank you, Alex, for noticing that. I kind of just tweet out into the annals of the internet. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. So. Well, I have like 13 followers, so I assume no one reads anything <laughs> I tweet. So, yeah. um, 
But no, I'm I'm glad I did because this is this is uh, I think this is going to be a, a fun and informative episode. I think so. So who wants to start? I will start. Okay. Because I saw the movie first, and I also saw it twice. And you're black. Uh, yes. <laughs> that uh, that that is a little bit pertinent to the film. So. <laughs> it's a little bit pertinent. It's a little bit pertinent. I, I'm cutting out to the film and just going to leave a little bit pertinent in there. Yeah. Great. Um, All right. So this movie, I thought. <laughs> anyway, I went to go see this movie with my dad, and it was in a theater filled with white people just so happened to be filled with uh, theater filled with white people your nightmare um when i first saw the the trailer for this film i was really excited for it just because you know i think that uh jordan peele is a great comedian he's a great writer and i was really just intrigued to see what he would do for his first film especially with a horror film and i was like that seems like such a 180 turn for him and i was like but no it's like actually like comedy and horror have so much in common with one another because they're both both based around like subverting expectations certain beats of 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 drawing out anticipation and then just like flipping it on people um i really enjoyed this film uh the first time around and i enjoyed it a lot the second time but maybe it just kind of like dimmed a little bit with me because this might be the sort of film that it hits the hardest on an initial viewing and once you know what is going to happen a second time something the tension is, is sort of naturally diffused out of that. And maybe that's sort of a knock against its enduring appeal as being part of like a larger like horror canon, but I think that it's a really impressive like a debut film. I think that it manages not only to operate in a way that uh, is apolitical in its in its structure and its pacing and its like its surprises that it has, but it also has the added effect of when it's viewed by somebody who may be considered a, an outgroup or an outlier or a minority, like a person of color, like such as myself, you're able to sort of like hone in on sort of some of the, the more uh, perceptive and more like beneath the skin nuances of how Chris navigates a predominantly white space and how you see the parallel between his attempts to try to piece together whether that environment is a safe or socially acceptable place to be oneself and comparing that to one's own personal experience in that way. Cause I felt myself like sort of vibing with him and understanding like where he's coming from. Cause I've been in a couple like situations sort of like that. Nothing nearly as egregiously horrifying as his, I hope not. but maybe, maybe sort of, in a social sense, sort of horrifying in that way. Um, yeah, it, it, it's something that I, I don't think that uh, a, a director who was not a person of color could sort of like put who, – who, who could write a character and write a situation in that way to be able to really detect and be able to like prop up those sort of like scenarios that would give rise to those nuances. Not saying because, because there's – because there are many talented directors, obviously, who are not of color, but I'm just saying that, like, there's something. There's, yeah, a, there, there, there's, there's something. You can that, just say that a black peop- a black person should just make this movie. And, a black person yeah. should just make this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, the only other person who I think could have done this justice would have been Wes Anderson, because I would have loved to see Wes Anderson direct this. <laughs> wow. wow. Man, I don't. Wow. I'd like uh, to see the Wes Anderson equivalent of it, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything looks like a storybook. Yeah. Man. Like, Racism is a storybook. 
Oh, that's another thing I really like about this film. I want to talk about that. Um, storybooks? No, not storybooks, but just like how this... Oh, racism. Yes, how, how this, this film actually addresses racism in such a way that Wait, it, it defies the expectations that are set out by its marketing of what you would think that it is. But it's actually honing in on something that is not a, a brand of, of racism or of prejudice that is not commonly identified, that is not commonly talked about, that appears so niche but otherwise is sort of a underlier um, – Along a very large, like current, a large swath of people, whether they know it or not, <laughs> and I just think that it really nailed in precisely what it was and what it was going for. Do and you mean? I th- I think I know what you're getting at, but do you mean like? Are you speaking of the historic kind of racism where um, black people were? Um, criticized for their appearance but at the same time like very very longed for their appearance yes because that's like that goes like way back that goes all the way back even past um like certain um abolitionist texts like oronoko where it was just basically this this writer who was sort of romanticizing this 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 african prince and talking about his 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 um his Spartan jaw and other things like that, basically like sculpting the idea of them and not really seeing them for as a person, mm-hmm. exotifying them in a lot of ways. And yeah. I think that also sort of like comes back into sort of the the commodification, yet the 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 the, the dual commodification and the disapproval of blackness. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so. I I thought the same thing when I watched it. Yeah. So yeah, that's. That's my take. Who wants to go next? Okay, I'll go next. Yeah, um, great. So I was really looking forward to this movie as well. I did not see it twice, um, but I knew I had to see it in theaters. Um, I actually used my free ticket on it. Thanks, AMC. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Key and Peele. I will watch anything they make. They could, you know, make a, a movie about a boulder rolling down the street and it would be like just the coolest thing ever to me. It probably would. So, so my expectations, I didn't know quite exactly, but I really, really wanted to love whatever Jordan Peele was making. And I must say, I, I like Toussaint's take on the marketing that it takes a, when you finally see the movie, it takes a different turn. You just know from the trailer that like this black, person is meeting his girlfriend's white family for the first time and then something bad is going to happen but you don't know what and then it gets so deep and complicated and it is just really great like i always enjoyed how key and peel address racism because they do it in such a smart way every time and they know how to make an audience like under like kind of understand mm. it and that's what i like about their appeal because they're just such smart guys jordan peele in this case because keegan michael key as far as we know wasn't involved except for being that extra in the ncaa search um you, oh my god <laughs> yes. really yes. holy shit you yes. son of a bitch um, how about that by the way too just like the most yes. stereotypical yes. search ever exactly <laughs> yeah and it, as she's sitting cross-legged or sorry indian style indian style eating fruitless Fruit Loops one at a time and yes. Fruit Loops one at a time <laughs> yeah. and milk separately. Oh, yeah. and, and and was the was listening the, to Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, wasn't the milk in like a cocktail glass? Like it, it was, there was just something. In a, it was just in a tall glass, but she was okay. drinking it with a straw. Yep. And that symbolized like <laughs> I saw myself in that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that symbolized like colors and colors in the whites. Yeah, yeah. keeping yeah. that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like you see that scene and you're like, man, right. she's eating that like a psycho. But then there's like more symbolism to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this it goes deep. It, yeah, it really, really does. And it just it's such a play on like you know white people are crazy. Like Chris just. Whenever he goes, like, man, what the fuck? Like, the whole audience is laughing yeah. because they also, they like, Jordan Peele makes you think these white people are indeed crazy. There were straight up <laughs> moments in this where some people in the theater were laughing and some people were like, mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Wait, what? Just, what did you say? I was going to say, I feel like there were moments in this film, I, I can't remember specific instances, but where some people are giggling and some people are like. You're saying where some people have. A different reaction okay, than the you. other. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, talking about the, um, the hateful eight when they're stringing up, uh, Domergu and some people are like, oh, 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 fuck that bitch. It's just like, I'll say this. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'll say right. this just yeah. as a comment to that, which is mm. that the hateful eight was uncomfortable in that way, but I actually thought Get Out was smart in that way in the sense yeah. that you could read it honestly as a comedy, like a, a black comedy, <laughs> a, a very dark. <laughs> I, oh boy! Oh boy! There's no way to go. No, so then, but just keep going. I've been there. Uh, one of those kind of comedies. <laughs> one of the. What do you mean? One of those kind of comedies? What do you mean, you, you people? Mean. Um, and I think that completely can, I think, appropriately manifest itself as laughter or, like, shuddering. Yes. So, anyway. And um, something else I really like to pay attention to um, when it comes to, you know, just the things that I watch is, like, you know, costuming specifically. So, like, at the be- beginning of the movie, Rose and Chris are, sorry, are both wearing, like, denim outfits. Like, Rose is wearing that denim dress, and then Chris ends up wearing that denim shirt, and then through the couple of costume changes that Rose has, her wardrobe gradually gets more white. Like, she's wearing that white striped sweater. It's, like, white and burgundy. And then, like everyone else in her family, she wears that completely white outfit, whereas Chris's outfit is still very much his own. So you can see, like, not only the beginning of their relationship through the narrative of the movie, but also, like, in their costumes as well. I didn't notice that. Yeah. She was camouflaging. She was camouflaging. That's oh, exactly man. what she was doing. And yeah. she was doing it, like, yeah. Yeah. She really was committing, yeah, basically. she really was. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. Mm. And- we should talk about the Asian man. <laughs> Why don't we wait? So we're on second. first thoughts here. Yeah. So why yes. don't we leave the Asian man? Uh, we'll come back to him. So um, <laughs> yes, I loved I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. Good. Yes. Who would like to go next? I will take uh, right. take my turn here. Um, I was a fan of this film. I didn't really have any true expectations. Um, Key and Peele. I'm I'm not really. I don't really have an awareness of of everything about them. I you don't know about the terrorists. Substitute Drax teacher. them sclouts. Drax them sclouts. Obama's anger translator. Anyways, uh, sorry, I'm too old for this shit. Um, Alex is the oldest one out of all of us. I, You're the John McClane of this podcast. I'm turning 30. Uh, that's that is a yeah, that's a, first of all that's a that's poor die reference because that's Die Hard. And I think you're that's referencing Lethal, lethal Weapon. weapon. <laughs> Different race too. Yeah. Also, is Dan- Danny Glover. So. I'm too old for this shit, Riggs. The worst part about 
get out though. Let's just think about this for a second. If Toussaint was in that situation, he'd be done by day one. Oh, dude, he would be fucking what? serving white people the next morning. What? Yeah. No, just... I think Toussaint would definitely like smarts his way out of yeah. that situation. Would drunk so think... Y'all see exactly... *Lethal Weapon* with Bruce Willis? Okay, bingo time. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Fuck that. We're not expecting a large return here either. Oh, fuck so. you. <laughs> fuck you. We'll just give it to the blind guy. <laughs> fuck you. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Continue, <laughs> Alex. So, anyways, I had no true expectation for mm. this film other than I thought the trailer didn't really do that much for me mm-hmm. personally. Um, when I saw this film, I, I quite enjoyed a majority of it, although I don't necessarily know if the total package uh, was tied together as pretty as it probably could have been. And mm. I mean, well, racism I, isn't pretty. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> thank you, Nick. <laughs> I, I feel like there are just certain moments that could have had um, better payoffs throughout, throughout the entire film uh, and could have been done a little bit better. That said, this film does include my favorite scene of cinema so far this entire year, uh, which uh, is Chris tied to the chair and the, amazing old commercial of Papa Armitage coming on explaining why whites are supreme to blacks we and why do we do great things yes. and then there's the wipe well not yeah. not just supreme to blacks but the line that's completely prescient of considering this was made I want to say before Donald Trump yeah. won yeah, yeah. Uh, principle the, was probably done right. before the election yes. yeah. and the line about like they've had advantages for far too long. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Your physical advantages in yes. our mind. So, and, and that's, that is ultimately the part of this film that still gives it a complete positive rating for me, even mm-hmm. though I didn't love this, mm-hmm. is that this is a film showing you that here is a group of people that it's not that they're just saying that there is no more racism Racism isn't even a thought, really, to this group once you get to the end point because they are so busy implementing black people and yeah. becoming their slaves that they are living in a fantasy world where this no longer... I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of uh, the elders uh, in the movie The Village, the M. Night Shyamalan film that Never are... saw it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, that are have become so engrossed in their fantasy world that they are now completely living and believing in what they are preaching and it's um you know it's just a a very interesting and definitely in my opinion very original take uh on on racism at least in in film and um there are also a lot of parts of it that i very much laughed at um maybe it's not a good thing they were laughing at the the jeffrey Dahmer heads yeah yeah. Um, the, the, the scene where they are kind of showing him to all the, the white people who may be wanting to purchase. Oh yeah. Uh, that but was, you didn't uh, know that. It's no, true. We didn't, yeah. you didn't know that yet. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Second time through that scene will be, uh, that scene will be different. Yeah. I mean, so. we knew. I mean, I mean, <laughs> lighter, lighter skin has, has been the we most popular the thing, world. but now black I mean, is in. I, I'm, I'm, there's a sexual reference for sure. There. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a there's a someone just comes up and grabs his arm, and it's it's super awkward. Uh, like he's a stud. Like literally, he is a stud. In yeah. a stable. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I don't have that many initial thoughts. Uh, I pretty much said everything that I that I feel in terms of just my grand grand 
my initial opinion uh, opinion of the of the film. But um, yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Moving on to Nick. Yeah, um, I'll give my white two cents here. Um, I love this movie. I I, I think. It's funny because, as I mentioned on this podcast a million times now, but I'll say it again, I've only recently really started to love horror, and this was exactly what I've recently begun to appreciate about horror, which is, like, I'm not, when when I watch a horror movie, I'm not looking for a movie to pop out and scare me and to, like, be something that is only entertaining while I'm sitting down in the seat. I want something to make me uncomfortable. I want something to stick with me after I get out of uh, the theater or the viewing, whatever. And this absolutely did that. I'm still thinking about it, not just because we're talking about it, but I've been wanting to see it again almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Because even from my limited viewpoint, I was extremely appreciative of the way Peel uses horror tropes to, I wouldn't say put <laughs> a white audience in a black person's shoes, but to mine horror from something that is so alien to a white audience, which is the idea that, um, especially in the first half hour to 40 minutes, like the horror itself of the movie is purely coming from the relation of where Chris is at any given moment to all of the other people and how uncomfortable that can make him in his own skin. Just jumping in for yeah. like one second and letting you go yeah. go back to yeah. it when you when you're talking about how Jordan Peele like is able to mine personal experience in order to sort of like reveal the horror of it, I'm reminded of a screenshot of a review, a newspaper review, and the headline was Jordan Peele's Get Out makes racism terrifying as if <laughs> as if it wasn't terrifying before right. jordan oh, peele's no. get out it, no. <laughs> there was some like there's some implicit bias in that headline no. but what's and what's yeah what's and that's not necessarily what i'm trying to say yeah i know what i'm trying to say is that it's it the power of cinema is to create a, a vehicle of empathy mm-hmm. uh, as kind of paraphrasing what Roger Ebert said. But right. so because I can never understand a black person's experience, I can still at least try to seek out art, try to seek out words from actual black artists or non-artists alike and try to see where, you know, where we're wrong and mm-hmm. whatnot. And that's exactly what this movie did for me, which was that, you know, I, I, 20 to 30 minutes into this movie, I was finding it kind of hilarious in my head how jittery I was simply because of a white person walking into the frame, whether it be in the background or whatnot. And, like, just that alone, just in my opinion, shows that this was, a, you know, mission accomplished. Very effective. <laughs> yeah, just actually, as, a, yeah. as a thriller and as a social satire. But, yeah, as you guys this have pointed thing. out. <laughs> as you guys have pointed out, this movie does even go deeper than that because what I ended up loving about it, because that I would say I enjoyed, but I was still waiting for uh, something to really latch on to. Mm-hmm. And the more the movie went on, the more I did have to latch on to. And everything from the sick way that the characters in this movie can co-opt Chris's identity and personal history for not only for their own uh, trivial pursuits, so to speak, but also um, in a way to undermine Chris's own identity and make him second-guess his own experience and, you know, his his place in the in the world. It's just insane. I mean, when he's um, 
when he like there are some little things like the passive aggressive battle of his cell phone of getting unplugged and plugged and that right there is also that's kind of why I love this movie too because this movie doesn't explicitly stop at shall we say blunt white on black racism it also shows the effects of a system in which a society can turn its own victims against each other too and how that in and of itself is a win for the white people to get them to undermine each other because then they end up looking like the saviors themselves. I, I think that um, the the contemporary nomenclature for that is microaggressions, which I've yeah. never really been a fan of because it just feels so uh, – it, 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 just, it just feels like it doesn't really like hone into how insidiously casual – those those sorts of acts are mm-hmm. and and really doesn't really like nail and identify them. I feel like it turns it's way more it, sinister it, it, than it, that cute HR term. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's like it takes these these insidiously casual like indictments against a person's identity and then turns it into a a a, a buzzword in in a in a newspeak word soup of 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 debate talk and I don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And one other thing before I pass it off is that I love that I for me at least on a scene by scene basis we are seeing I would say different variations on the same kind of insidious uh vantage point of a elite race and i say elite Mm -hmm. in the self-perception not in any kind of like through like a power power hierarchy or something like that not to say that there is not not any type of like intrinsic elitism but more of an arbitrary external elitism for example the dinner table scene uh in which uh which i thought was pretty clearly a stand-in for the way we prize like black beauty and uh masculinity and aggression and yet also we get almost disgusted by when somebody can subvert that term, which is why like Moonlight winning the Oscar was actually kind of a big deal mm-hmm. in the long run. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the way that, that, you know, the brother character is trying to co-ops uh, Chris's own race. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a question Please? about the brother character? Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of, yeah. Uh, I'm interested in his character, I think, more than anybody else in the in the entire film, other than Chris, who's obviously the the, the well, clear lead and most interesting character here. But uh, I I always get the get the not sure feeling if he's completely in on it he with is. the rest. No, I I know he is in on it, but at the same time, like, is he playing the same game as his other three family members yes. are, or is he playing it for a completely different purpose than they are? No, he's he's. He, the 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 purpose. I don't, the, I don't think you're necessarily really like. I, I guess I'm not. Explaining. You want to elaborate? I was going to say. It. I don't think I'm, I'm. I don't think I'm explaining this okay. as yeah. well. Is we have the other three family members who mm-hmm. I believe are complete elitist uh, white people who believe that black people should, or these black people specifically mm-hmm. should, be their property and should be able to be turned into what they believe they need to use them Mm here where I feel like the brother is a more racist to the, to the, to the term of him being more of a Southern rampage racist. I will, I I will say this. I don't think that he's entirely on the same page as his sibling or his parents, but I think that he has a purpose in, in, in that, 
in that scheme. Yeah. In that in no, the, he does. No, but... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not just yeah, talking yeah. about him helping his father and stuff like but that 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 particular scene He's kind of a distraction. He that's the point. He's yeah. supposed to be the red herring. Yeah. He's supposed to be the red herring that sort of like distracts from the casual weirdness of that entire situation any type of any any type of 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 crack that the father or the girlfriend or the mother might have will immediately be eclipsed by this weirdo with like a like, like a like a rapey stash who is trying to play bocce ball and just like choke him picture out picture a like a thanksgiving dinner in which a white, a white family gets together, mm-hmm. and one of the cousins always talks about how Uncle Larry, so to speak, uh, is the family racist. That designation in and of itself is a protection yeah. <laughs> of their own race. It, it is a way to hmm. you know, shine light onto what somebody's own uh, definition of racism mm. is, and it's and it's to highlight that, and yeah. and no other class of it. But the still, racism left my body and went yeah. to Uncle Jerry. <laughs> the genes stopped there. And 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 you know what? Hearing both of you guys talk about that is is really kind of enlightening me. But at the same time, I still feel Don't you like enlightening. I still feel like he has <laughs> different so motivations well, personally than I the have rest one more of the family thing to say though yeah okay my my other thing as far as what i got from the family mm-hmm. is that all four are completely different types of white racism or not white Elaborate. but white racist oh, yeah okay. you have Absolutely. if you literally break them down you do have the brother who's the crazy you literally can say his racism is due to mental illness, even if it's he probably isn't. He's actually just a racist person. But, but he's he's well, the more stereotypical Southern. Okay, but that doesn't. What is that? Okay, I'm gonna continue. Next one. Yeah. Okay, I'm saying he is that classification of okay. a racist. We gotcha. we know and we like to point at and to say that's racism. That's what we left behind, and some people are still clinging on to. Okay, mm-hmm. Allison Williams is the. Horrid, like hides behind a new media liberalism of like so far, you know, like entrenched racism. Would you, you want like to read my dissertation on phrenology? Yeah, like where it is like so inconceivable that she could be racist due to the fact that she likes to consistently point out how unracist she is, which you only do if you are hiding something. Yeah. Yep. Yes, something I wanted to add on to yeah. her character specifically, um, the beginning of the movie where they hit that deer and the cop is talking to both Chris and Rose and... Um, the cop asks to see Chris's ID and Rose is immediately appalled by this and goes, why are you doing that? Um, he wasn't even the one driving and she's immediately becomes yeah. like very eye rolly. Yeah. She's the aggressive person. In exactly. That. Because she knows that, or her assumption is that the police is profiling Chris because he's the one who's black. But as we get further into the film, what if that cop knew that there were black people going missing in the area and he just wanted to learn Chris's face. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the, also something. Yeah. From 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 that initial standpoint, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. It's like because what you're supposed to take away from that scene when they're driving back to the house that Rose is supposed to be an ally. Yeah. Quote yes. an ally yes. in that way by using her 
so-called white privilege yep. and being being able to diffuse uh, a situation of racism in that way. Um, but really, she's just covering her ass. Yep. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and really quickly, just yeah. to round off the parents, because they're not as, I think, defined as obviously Rose and Chris, but... The father is that mix of like, okay, back in my day, we may have done these kind of things, but I've overcome that. And Look not at these only things that, I got from Bali. I love yes. indulging in other cultures. Right. And I yes. wear it around like a suit. <laughs> yes. And the co-opt. And then the mother is that kind of classic, like, without even having to say it, but like, I don't see race. Like, she's so passive aggressive that I, and does she ever make a comment about Chris's, like, she's... No, because in the, at the end of the day, all she cares about is, of course, uh, what they're really doing there. So, I don't know. I see them as four different quadrants of yeah. racism in today's America. Yeah. How about uh, a specific character detail? How about Rose's trophy photos that are framed and hanging uh, in the background as she's on the on the bed with her computer looking at NCAA player photos? Yeah. Basketball player photos. Um, it, that's such a, you know... Pretty easy to spot, but it's amazing that those have now come back into their frames and have already been arranged back on <laughs> on the wall that same Wait. day. Wait, what? Are those the yeah. same photos that were, were in the box? box? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I yeah. I definitely I definitely <laughs> yeah. missed that. It's like detail. her Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Those are the, that's awesome. Those are the yep. dudes that she's caught in her web. Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I gotta say oh one thing I love about this movie is that I like that upon first viewing, there's more emotional, I think at least attachment to Chris um, than there is like, as far as the satire and the societal, because you have to truly see the whole movie before you can understand the extent of uh, Chris's place in this scheme, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So a lot of scenes are going to play much differently the second time around. For example, the through line of the uh, the dead deer. Uh, they hit the deer, and of course, he gets out of his car to go check, which at first, it, it's kind of funny because that, that scene changes, I want to say, every 30 minutes as to what it could possibly mean, depending on where you are in the film. The very first time you see it, I'm pretty sure it, it kind of plays off as a subversion of kind of black sensitivity and masculinity as far as A, he's going out there to see if he needs a mercy killing, but also B, he seems deeply affected by the uh, wounded creature that you know he is somehow taken life from instead of some kind of and also the fact of yeah. something dying at the beginning sort of is sort of like a vague foreshadowing of ominousness yeah yes. it, and that Absolutely. as well then later on you can then make the connection that okay he got out of the car because it ties into the one regret in his life which mm. is that his mother died and he didn't act fast enough so he is recreating that moment in his head okay by the third act, <laughs> you kind of also now have a new layer of meaning, which um, I read a wonderful article that kind of did. I'm not going to say I thought of it first as well, but I, I was at least thinking about it. And then I saw somebody sort else Sort of contextualize and put those ideas yes, into a framework. Which is that Buck is a racial slur that dates back um, to when you literally, you know, the, the, the phrase black buck. Yeah. And, wow, you know, that... to like the trophy literally <laughs> of putting one on your wall and that kind of thing. So... I love that that ends up becoming not only his um, running through line of seeing this uh, character, or not character, but uh, creature Mm -hmm. in a... The symbol, this motif. Yes, and then not only that, but then he ends up using that to fight back um, against that awful system that would label him as such. he he ends up... Killing the the patriarch of this family. With the, it, fa- right? the father Absolutely. is killed by the very thing that he 
he sort of villainized and, almost dispro- like it was really weird that entire conversation about like how the deer died. Well, and, and that's like, the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, is for him to go on that. It is it's an uncomfortable monologue, and yet it's also a monologue that I would guess other people have heard, and I mm-hmm. know from yeah. my own experience, I have heard at least one person say those exact words about. Mm-hmm. Other races and yeah. not about animals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, the, Overpopulation and... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the dad's dialogue I thought was very interesting because the the dad's character like moves pretty fast, but like everything he says is really gosh darn pertinent. And I think it goes forth with, you know, him, you know, running the auction, mm-hmm. basically. So um, he talks about the deer, of course, as Nick mentioned, how they're like, you know running around everywhere and how, you know, Chris basically did a service. Um, when the dad's giving a tour of the house, he says, we don't go in the basement because there's black mold down there. Hmm. Yeah. And hmm. that was one of the more obvious yeah. ones, but mm-hmm. still. And then something else that took me a while to um, kind of think this through. When they were explaining the family photos, their grandfather was in the Olympics and the grandfather was running against Jesse Owens, and Jesse Owens won in front of Hitler at the Olympic Games. Almost got over it. Almost, Almost got, over. got over it. Exactly. Yeah. And then we find out that the grandfather's mind is in Walter's <laughs> body, which is why he still runs, because he's still yeah. training. Yeah. Like, yep. full circle. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Not to mention, it's funny, because I know in the trailers, I got a little side eye when I saw the scene of Chris sitting in that chair and that whatever because I'm like okay I kind of do like the set dress or whatever but it seems a little too uh, not, I wouldn't say Twin Peaksy but just kind yeah. of like taking this decor minimalist style and just substituting that for real horror but when you see the movie that scene is more in my opinion horrifying when you have more context to appreciate it because two Three things, really. Um, I don't care how blunt it is. I love the fact that he literally has to pick cotton to, hold on, but to disregard the noise that he is hearing of the vitriol that he has to experience day by day. And it's not until he just just says to, at least internally, Mm -hmm. shut the fuck up and not actually take it anymore that, you know, whatever. So I just think that is one of the most ironic visual motifs I've ever seen in in, in cinema just for that to happen Two, um they 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 purposely put that buck like in front of it like that's not just like always been there but and so for that emotional metaphor both from the father's point of view of what that means but also for chris as far as if you wait too long this will end up eating you up type thing and three this is okay when he was a child, he um, and he told this story uh-huh. to the mom, so you know this was part of it, too. When he was a child, not only did he not act uh, quick enough to save his mom, but it was because he was watching TV, which I believe is why he never watches TV at all, like mm-hmm. from that point on. And so for them to put the TV in front of him with the book on top of that and you know, for for him to be subjugated to that, like, I don't know, I just think it's such a trifecta of your standard horror movie fare, as far as, like, ah, this is scary, whatever, but also, like, to just emotionally mine as much a terror out of him as they can. You know what else is horrifying about uh, the mise-en-scene of that room? That's their fucking rec room. It is. There's a, f- I, there's a yes. fucking ping-pong, ping-pong table, table in the, the back. There's Butchy balls and a television. Does it get much wider? They no. just they, they just go down there and the play great, ping pong. The greatest thing in about the that same ping room pong they, table they, yeah. is that it 
as far as the placement in the room, it literally looks like they 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 scoot the ping pong table over <laughs> to make room for the like. It's not even like that's how it's set up, but just kind of like, oh, we're just gonna move this on down the this room. This is just like, this free just space that we have yeah. open. Yeah. Just so, um, anyway. how about this is a uh, you know such an obvious part of the film, obviously, <laughs> but um, the the idea of hypnotizing people into sort of following mm-hmm. into to falling into this trap figuratively yeah. and then as we see on the screen literally falling down uh, away from being able to to have a dog in the fight and, and it, what is everyone's kind of feeling on on the use of that through the film is it is it used the best way it could have been used is it is it the best way they could have told the story or, or is it just kind of a an easy way to to make the story flow throughout i think this is the first time that i've sort of vocalized what i think the sunken place is but i think the sunken place is a a metaphor for the sort of resignation that a that that a that a person of color or a black person can sort of like fall into when they allow the external world or at least a, a or at least at least the 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 racist undertones of an external world to sort of define them and their place and that they are powerless to sort of like extricate themselves from the definition of the world around them Yep, I couldn't uh, say it any better than that. Yep. And, and I think it fits in the movie because I don't think anything in this movie is subtle. No. Because right. if it was, then this movie would have lost <laughs> from the very beginning because there, there, there is no time for subtlety in 2017. And, no. <laughs> and, and in, <laughs> we, uh, we don't got time anymore. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, um, I think gonna... it fits with, all of the other blunt imagery in this movie. How about uh, the the other moment I'll I'll, I'll mention is uh, the the maid or whatever you want to call. I can't remember her name. So, um, but oh, well, Georgina. Mean, Georgina. Georgina. Very hello. Very oh, you were just making that up for a second. No. Oh no. But I'm like, oh no, that is her name. That's, yeah, no, that's, that's right. <laughs> so h- how about her being obviously working no. in the house? No, 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 no. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then uh, we have that very for me at least feeling like a double meaning last line uh, of this where yeah, obviously we know that they've they've put the grandmother these these psyche into her but you know chris is driving in there and she turns and i believe she says you exactly, ruined my house you've ruined my house yeah. uh which is very loaded. interesting as what loaded for me, it, 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 there's two sides to, to the coin where she has become uh, the house person who's who's given all of, of these yeah. somewhat advantages to, that other people are not. She's a house negro. Given. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so it, it's it's just interesting that that obviously she fell into the same exact trap that everyone the, else who's uh, had to to do this is, but it's still just. The same Just trap right that Samuel you. Jackson's character in Django fell into. Well, I, it, it's it's just it just hits multiple notes. Oh yeah, and, and it's uh, oh, yeah. it's it's really really yeah. really well I don't, done. I was also gonna say I don't care how 
obvious it is or kind of laughably in your face, whatever. But I absolutely love that the final moment before the final moment, but the essential final climax of this movie is that after all of this, a cop car shows up. And before you know it's a TSA, like that you already, is... You already know. That the could, greatest... That, could have, that forked in one of two directions. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. not only does, of course, Jordan Peele take the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. but... Um, it, and also just to make that a punchline. I don't know. It just felt more like we, we watched an entire movie of white people appropriating and co-opting black identity mm-hmm. and black experiences. And so for Jordan Peele to take a signpost or an icon of the black experience, a bad one, but and to subvert that and and make it his own with, yeah, maybe a dumb joke, but I'd rather have it be a dumb joke than a uh, unjustified if, murder. If, if, what? what? If oh, that sorry, had ahead, if that had gone the other way, no, Alex, you can speak. No, if it, <laughs> if it had gone the other way, tonally, this film would be so much more different, and I might yeah. have a totally different opinion about exactly. it. Exactly, it would be an absolutely one more rem- fatalist opinion <laughs> yeah. about this film. Yeah, but it's one more. Uh, I would say one last attempt to like even I would say the most racist person sitting in an audience would at least see that cop car pull up and go, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even people who can't, who would never admit that, you know, black on white cop uh, shooting happened or anything like that. They know still... how this looks. Yes. Well, yeah. And, and and that's what's great about that moment is that it's one more uh, imagery of complicitness uh, that we have to suffer through, and, and I absolutely love that. Uh, how about the, uh, the character of Rod, his best friend, which... I don't necessarily know how to feel about that character. I like him. So, I like Rod, too. Yes, I like Rod a lot. Yes, motherfucking A. He reminds me of that tool that Peel used when he wrote this movie where the only people in the film who say get out to Chris are the black characters. (laughs) Yeah. Which I thought was really great. And I like Rodney because Rodney kind of... It's like that thing that makes Key and Peele, Key and Peele, like, in this movie that's definitely not a Key and Peele movie. Um, so I really enjoyed him, and I think every scene he was in was used every way. Mm. Great in every way, including when he was mocked at the police station for saying that his friend was kidnapped and turned into a sex slave. By sex bo- slave! By, by black people. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I loved him, and yeah. Tuzan liked him, too. Yes, I did. Uh, I... I thought that honestly, the best scene that he was in was in the middle uh, when he called uh, Chris's phone, or was it uh, Rose's phone? It was Chris's. Phone. It was Chris's phone, it, but yeah. Rose answered. Yeah, Rose. He left his phone. Rose was just sitting at the table in all white with a blank expression on her face, emoting, and that's what I thought was the fucking creepiest part. I don't know if they dubbed over her voice in order to do that, but like the way that she did that was so fucking insane. And and just the way that white people know how to do anything is no, it, 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 it took this insanely creepy uh, setup with her just like repeating lines as though she was like a recorder, like pressing just like play, and then twisted it into this darkly hilarious thing where she was like trying to goad him into like bringing him into her web. It's like, no, I don't want to fuck you. He's my friend. Fuck. You. It's like, damn. She's, she's obviously done this many times before. Yeah. Yes. She's a goddamn genius. And I think, 
I think what was so funny about that scene is that uh, Allison Williams in particular like doesn't really get a lot of credit for being that good mm. of an actress. And, you know, that scene, she had to emote through her voice but didn't have to do anything with her face. Mm-hmm. So... But that's you know, how that's, bo- that's either side of the coin. That. Yeah. Exactly. That's either side of the coin. E- even um what's his name? Um Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill? Even Mark Hamill when he's like doing the voice of the Joker, he has to like contort himself in order to do yeah, that well, voice. At least when the cameras are on. <laughs> Um, What I was going to say about uh, the character of Rodney is I absolutely loved him as well. I definitely think that it was a, for me at least, welcome reprieve from the kind of the the terrifying aspect of the movie, Um, while also letting Pio kind of, I think, letting a friend do his improv stuff, because I love Hannibal Buress. Uh, that was who it was, right? No, it was not. God damn. No. Lil Ray wow. Howery. God damn it. Wow. Ooh, that was the first time I've ever done it. At least I didn't mix up races like wow. two songs <laughs> It looked N- like him. Now you know how it feels. Well, you know what? Rodney is from the Carmichael show. Yeah. <sighs> I knew it was from TV. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, pretend I didn't say that. Yeah. Okay. Nope. But I do love the character because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I thought he was funny just on the surface. But I also thought that his character was, he, for me at least, there were, there, the, the main inspiration for this movie as far as I think uh, Peel loving horror movies, I definitely think this was the Wicker Man uh, set in a house. <laughs> where I got of a separate wife sort of vibe for him, but I totally see where you're coming from. The problem is the Stepford thing is that that's like, uh, that's a premise of a movie relegated to the third act twist. Where uh-huh. This is more an outsider comes into a plantation of some sort and has continually told that what they're thinking is not actually what's happening despite the fact that it totally is and then the ending completely confirmed that they were right and that they shouldn't second uh, guess themselves because that would only lead them to more terror I fucking love the original Wicker <coughs> Man I it's totally great. agree with your uh, yeah, yeah. Your, that, that, um, that Nicolas Cage one yeah, but I thought the character Rodney was specifically two things A certainly okay Jordan Peele is a comedian and now a horror filmmaker and does, I think, both ex- uh, exceptionally well. So he's obviously seen classic horror movies, so there's no way that he was not in some way playing into the trope of uh, not necessarily the black person dying first, but of the almost uselessness that African Americans have usually uh, had in a horror narrative. Mm-hmm. And especially when you think of something like The Shining, in which Dick uh, or uh, Halloran or whatever his name is. Um, he just came back to that house to fucking die. Well, and that's exactly Ronnie's arc as far as he's a contact in the outside world who is continually clued in due to whatever shining or in this case him just being a sensible person understanding that the black shining yes yeah shit happening shit's going wrong or whatever and even goes to authorities who don't care and then and here instead of succumbing to the same kind of fate that uh you know kubrick (laughs) puts uh scatman crothers through uh no he gets to live up to (laughs) an actual uh, icon and imagery of black power which is that there is strength in your skin and what you can mine from that and the experience that you can help others uh, go through. Anna, it's like that one skit from uh, Key and Peele where they're in the office and the black people are talking to each other with uh, with telepathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, we all have this. Yes. <laughs> and he's talking to Barack Obama. <laughs> 
How about uh, speaking of the that final scene uh, involving Rodney, Chris, and also Rose as well? Mm. The very final scene of the film. I told you not going in the house, man. Well, yeah, but how, how about how about this idea of her being like, "Help! He's he's killing me," and then it's black like, black guy. Oh, just I guess like, I'm gonna die now. Well, no, not even just <laughs> that it was a black guy. She <laughs> she recognized it. that it was Rodney, where yeah. she was like, "Oh man!" Oh, right, but it's Rodney. like, ah, oh, shit. Or her uh, in, in the same you know in the same area just a minute earlier, mm. her being choked to death and begging for her life and see like i uh, really wish chris just would have gone for the mm, finisher but he didn't because mm-hmm. her eyes were just like mocking him just like yeah Do it. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. N- no I, well i mean she was really like psychopathically kind of begging for him to like not do that you know mm-hmm. but then i mean he actually is a functioning human being and had some humanity left in him so he what? was like i'm sorry i can't i can't do this and then you know it i she mean her life based on that you knew she was gonna die anyway because yeah. she was well shot in the gut. uh you know i i i will say i i mean I totally am with what you're saying, but he stamps the shit out of her brother. So, to be well, fair, yes, though, no, but I mean specifically when it comes to her, because even yeah. though their relationship ended up being fake and a fraud, mm-hmm. he still like probably was thinking, "I yeah. had good times with this person, yeah. at least for, for a sure. while." You I know? think it's a mixture. Maybe of he that. was thinking of that. He had yeah. good times with the brother too. Remember when they almost wrestled, but then like the mom told him not to. <laughs> I mean, I bet he wanted to, but it's... Do you fight didn't... MMA? You have a perfect body oh, did, for yeah. hand-to-hand yeah, combat. They were going to be buddies. Okay, to be fair, though, as far as, and for me at least, the, the difference as to the mercy that he kind of shows, uh, Rose's character versus what he does in my house, there, there's two completely different scenarios because what he does in my house is for survival. It is a an act of... Uh, shall we say, forced aggression in which the subjugation of one person due to its race uh, and then also followed up with condemnation of now, aggressive I, tactics. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with, with anything you're saying, right. but the third stomp on the head with the grunt okay. reminds but me of the, the third bowling pin drop that, that Daniel and I'm not does saying in I'm There Will Be finished. Blood. Right, yeah. and I'm not saying it's not necessarily excessive, but the idea is that he's going to kill him, mm-hmm. and he should because mm-hmm. he's still not out of the situation at that point. He's, sure. he's literally still in the middle of what seems to be the Bermuda Triangle of black people disappearing. Yeah. So he's not going to not continue. And then once the person's dead, why not actually take out his anger on something? Mm-hmm. But as far as why he decides not to kill Rose uh, is because once he has an yeah. actual safety net of yeah. civilization finally finding him, then no, he's not a monster, I think, who needs to like kill people just no, to I, I was I own. was just mentioning that since we were kind of hitting on his yeah. compassion for, for Rose a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. I do want to talk about um, at least two scenes from the party. One very quickly and the other one I want to go more in depth into. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the scenes that I've seen highlighted uh, as a favorite by um, some people that I listen to and a couple of my friends is when Chris goes up to the second floor during the party and he's passing through all the people and they all freeze and they start trying to like follow like his footsteps to see where he is going in the house. Like the entire first floor just freezes Mm -hmm. altogether. 
and you know that something's wrong, you don't know the entire picture at that point, and so it just gives off the impression of like, oh, this is the the strange black man, the one black man that we don't know who is going upstairs. What's he doing? Is he going to steal something or something like that? It's like it's that kind of like herd mentality racism that just sort of like sweeps everybody up. Um, I really liked that scene. It was positively creepy, and it was also just kind of alarming. Not to mention the bluntness of the of the idea that at the end of the day, all racism, all racism really does, not all it does, mm-hmm. but let's yeah. just put aside the actual right. <laughs> terror of it. Right. But as far as what it does to a white person mm-hmm. who's uh, using, employing it, whatever, right. is it distracts you from actually living a life mm-hmm. worth living. I mean, yeah. this is a party, so to speak, right. and the idea that this party grinds to a halt just to – not necessarily eavesdrop, but just to keep track on something that is so not pertinent. No matter how enthused or how involved you were in a conversation, it's consciously sort of like a performance of normality around one of these things. It's not like the other sort of situation. Um, The the second thing that I want to go more into detail about, as I mentioned it before, was like with the one Asian person who is at the at the party. I don't know if that's supposed to be sort of like a a send up to sort of like the perhaps the the more uh, conservative white mentality of like Asian Americans as sort of the model minority in such a way, and so giving them sort of the exception. An exception from what? I don't know what they're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe it's uh, sort of this this character who uh, – the question that he asked Chris was very uncomfortable, and it proceeded to become even more uncomfortable as, as things just sort of like, like uh, dovetailed out of that, where he's like, it's like, do you think that the African-American has more advantages or disadvantages in the modern world? And then the dad's just like, it's a tough question. And they all just look at him <laughs> looking for the answer. Like, I've been in that situation, not with that question, but like, oh, great. No, but Tuc- how would you answer Tucson, that? the black delegate, <laughs> will be, is taking the floor Go right talk now. talk to the black caucus. Yeah, right. Yeah, I have to, I have to talk to the black cau- caucus. God Emperor Sharp is not taking my calls anymore, so I'm not being allowed to like come to the council meeting. I, here's what I'll say. As far as uh, the Asian man's placement in that party, yeah, I think it might be a sly and yet sadly true dig at how arbitrary racism is in general. Because mm-hmm. I genuinely do think there are some people, not some, there are right. a lot of people right. who are racist purely for the color of somebody's skin. And I know that sounds like stupid to say out loud, no, but but like literally, they 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 don't even know their own history. They don't know. You know the 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 long ancestry of actual subjugation, hu- human suffering, all that. Kind yeah. Of. But if somebody's close enough to them, it's not even a factor that um, technically, if you technically hate this person yeah. for these reasons, you should then. But because they are blind to that, yeah. um, ex- you know, uh, point of view. It's I like, think- what about Jerry? It's like, whoa, Jerry. I've known him all my life. Is like, yeah. but he's black, and I'm just like, no, he's Jerry. <laughs> Right, like he's just somebody who's always been there. Um, and, Treat him and, like Jerry. And and the the fact that he asks that the, the the thing the fact that he asks that question and that he's actually at that auction and he's auctioning for that body, I feel like that is sort of that that is sort of an earnest question to see if he can somehow transpose. Can I can I can I upgrade? My 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 experience as a as a minority member somehow, 
um, which is just really, really fucked up. And then when the 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 other black person who's been assimilated, he's he's taken over. He's like, why don't you tell us about the black experience? And he, he's the one who's who's uh, who's possessed, kidnapped at the beginning. He, of the yes, he's, he's the one who's the one who's, who's kidnapped, kidnapped at the beginning. And he's like, well, I was like, I think the the African American experience has been very good, but I actually haven't had made time to like leave the house because I've just been so in, involved in my chores. And I'm just like, what the. Chris was just he's, telling me how delighted he is by my presence here. He's literally a house negro, but he's not. Can I say something about what's the name of that character? I don't know. Andre. Andre. He doesn't okay. have a name anymore. <laughs> so his name is now Hank. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andre. Th- there's an interesting moment. Uh, I've heard in interviews that Jordan Peele wrote this movie from his own experiences, you know, of, uh, certainly a composite of a lot of different experience, not an actual situation where he went to a, a house. This is a yeah. true story. Um, Spoiler but, yeah. alert, Chelsea Pretty's family is exactly like this. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, um, no. But certainly, I, I think Chris is a stand-in for Peele himself. And I, I say that not simply for the... Uh, for the obviousness of the black experience, but I find it very interesting for two reasons, which is that a Chris is a photographer. Um, and I do think that the, one of the ways, uh, Chris tries to, uh, rise above and fight against this kind of white, uh, societal malfunction, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it, um, is to document it and to show the systemic failures of the system. And, and, and then he finds a release in art, which, of course, Jordan Peele clearly does as well, as far as he's making these uh, documents himself. And what I also love is that if you take that even into a further focus, the moment in which he takes a picture of Andre is one of my favorite moments in the movie. Because in the trailer, I thought it was a little weird. I'm like, okay, so he takes pictures of somebody and they they instantly get a nosebleed like it's kind of horrific but it's also really random and now the more i think about it the more i don't think it's random at all Mm -hmm. because if chris is a stand-in for somebody like jordan peele um one thing i love is that i i think there is a phenomenon um where i think african-american people can become complacent in a society that constantly dehumanizes them Mm. um and not fight back and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing no yeah keep yeah okay but what i love is the very act of documenting that and making it public could be the scariest thing in the world because in that situation you're not necessarily being malicious Mm -hmm. but because you're trying to fight for your own life and that's the way you decided to cope with yeah like that is in and of itself your property and it's a scary thought if somebody else gets a hold of that uh, persona of yours Mm -hmm. and I love that that's literally what breaks down um, uh, Andre's character that he has those seizures is that literally to to, to be caught seizures uh, yeah Yeah. but to be caught in the charade so to speak Mm -hmm. now I know and, and I'm talking metaphorically speaking, because yes, I know that um, technically there's, there's another, two consciousness. There, there's another at, being at war. in Andre, yeah. but just if you take that literally as a metaphor, um, mm-hmm. the the idea of caught in the act of you know mingling with these people and basically allowing this to happen and being okay with what's right in front of you, um, and how you only have a problem until uh, other people are catching on to that. I, I don't know. I thought that was actually kind of a yeah. potent image, and also. One way that Peel also did kind of look inward as well as outward. Yeah. So. 
Uh, something uh, I'll mention here too before we we go into our final thoughts on, on this film is that I, I already had already kind of stated how much I enjoyed uh, that scene. It involves the the poorly made 1980s film with the, with the uh, film 1980s commercial, pretty much with the the, the father and mm-hmm. um, the the grandchildren as children and, and and all of that. Is there anything more perfect yeah. than a sunrise? <laughs> Yeah, um, but I feel like the the idea of the the actual physical surgery and, and the mentioning of that, um, some about that and uh, the scene that involves the skull and old Ben with Leonardo DiCaprio, just believing that that there is a physical difference between white people and yeah yeah uh, is and is just. It's just that total belief in that, yeah. that that undeniable. It's not. It's at that at that point. It doesn't even feel like racism. It feels like it is completely just one hundred percent. It's not. I'm not being racist because this is how it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's Scientology. Just, yes, it, it, it's this otherworldly belief of an and a distortion of the reality that is clear to yeah. even the worst people <laughs> yeah. on this planet. Yeah. yeah. So it, that, um, that whole, Fuck you, Scientology. Act, yeah, that whole <laughs> act was, uh, was, was just something. Um, yep. if you guys don't mind, I'll start off with my yes, final please. thoughts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, this has happened a few times on this podcast, but I'm going to raise my rating for my initial, uh, viewing based on, uh, some of the, the points that everyone has brought up, even myself. Uh, this film. Well, I, no, I just, I'm not trying you to sound give, like me. I was gonna say I'm not trying to give myself that big of a Steven Seagal pat on the back, but I I, I think this film uh, has a lot of of little nuances that uh, you know you need to probably see more than once to really fully appreciate it. Get out! <laughs> Get out! Of Son here. of a bitch! <laughs> but um, even so, uh, this is a a true horror film that that embraces. A lot of of horror elements, while at the same time, um, really having something for for the audience to grasp onto when it comes to to a true story that could could make you as the viewer think, and I, and I really uh, appreciate that even more than than when we walked out of the theater, uh, and I gave my initial thought on it. So. Uh, I'm going to give this film a three and a half out of five. Uh, I am I am definitely a fan, and I am looking forward to to checking out again, as it is uh, definitely one that most people should <laughs> give a give a shot to. So, who's next? I'll go next. Okay. Um. So, I love this movie. Um. I was. I pretty much go into horror movies the same way Nick doesn't because um, you look for, you know, very specific things in horror movies other than to be scared. I like to just be scared when it comes to scary movies, but I also welcome like movies like this that take, you know, tropes and subversions and completely turn them over and make you think about the bigger picture and the fact that some of like one of my favorite people in the world, Jordan Peele, like made this movie with so much, um, symbolism and meaning behind every single thing that was pieced in the movie. It really like tied everything together. And it's one of those things where like, you don't want to hear much about it because you don't want to give it away to some people. And I always appreciate movies like that, where it just 
you know, it takes a left turn when you least expect it. Um, so I give it um, a five out of five. I liked pretty much awesome. everything about it. I liked everyone's, um, like, craziness when you find that out. I liked kind of the outside looking in whenever somebody would go, what the fuck is going on? Like, that's pretty much the you know what you want the audience to think too and i just enjoyed it so much and i'm excited to see more from jordan peele as a filmmaker i'm assuming you enjoyed the blind man too who gave him a false sense of security saying i uh, yeah you know i understand and i think this is ridiculous but but i'm going to own you soon so oh absolutely <laughs> yeah because like poetic you, you know how poetic is it is that the the blind man wins chris's body and then when chris is communicating with him through the television Mm -hmm. when he's just in the next room preparing for surgery i don't give a damn about your skin color (laughs) exactly i just want your eye Mm -hmm. yes he just wants his eyes that person just wants to be able to see and he could have gotten any other person's body but he won andy warhol wasn't available so (laughs) but he got Uh, ah andy warhol he the most got... famous black artist. <laughs> but he got the... He the... knew color, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he, knew, he knew screen painting. <laughs> Not even John Pasquiato, right? Just Andy Warhol. <laughs> yeah. Not even the actual yeah. black no, guy, the black artist from that time, who was Warhol's like protege. I don't think we're all playing in the same pool hall here. It's so okay. I, yeah. Anna, please. Yes. Um, <laughs> how fitting is it is that the the art curator wins the body of a person whose art he's actually curated? So that really couldn't have been more perfect. In it. Yes, exactly. It couldn't have been more perfect in every any way. And Stephen Root even says, you have a good eye, but my assistant just des- describes everything in detail, yada, yada, yada. Mm. False sense of security, just like Alex says. And then he continues to perpetrate that false sense of security in the video right before the surgery so yes perfect movie five out of five i loved it um i think that uh first i'll start with a tangent and then i'll work my way back i think that one of my favorite things uh about the phenomena of watching movies besides watching movies my favorite thing about movies is talking about them obviously because i wouldn't be on this podcast if i didn't like talking about say we're 107, 107 episodes in. If yeah. You, if you're hating this, you've, you've missed your chance. You're a, you're a masochist. Like, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know what to say to you. You're it's like, like Nick. Stop, yeah. stop hurting yourself. Okay. Um, but no, I really do love talking about films. And I think that what my second viewing of Get Out sort of reaffirmed to me, um, even though it didn't have the same punch as, as, as the first time I saw it, I think that it sort of reaffirmed that for me get out will infinitely always be a film that is more interesting to talk about than it is necessarily to watch because the more people that i i get to see it with the more perspectives can i, I think... ask you a dumb question no go ahead no I, but seriously okay yeah. just to talk about the black elephant in the room okay do you think that there might be any credence to the idea that Get Out as a horror film is more novel to a white person than to a black person in the sense that if – and I'm just like saying this hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's just say if Jordan Peele set out to make a horror film based on the the black experience, uh, 
as far as you know living in one skin amongst mm. uh people of different skin color that do you think there might be any or might not be mm-hmm. any uh shall we say obviously there's a difference in the experience of viewing yeah, but yeah. that let's say there's probably going to be, and myself included, self-congratulatory talk as far as like, oh, I'm a white person and I got it, like whatever. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm sure I'm guilty of that myself. N- no, but – And also maybe is, do you think there's any – what is your thoughts, I, I would say? I don't think that's a dumb question. I think that's actually a very interesting question because I haven't thought of it before, because... which is one of the reasons why I like this film because like just circling back is like I get to – I, I get to hear a different perspective about this because it is it, it's a it's a subject matter or a premise that really does reflect and refract people's different views on race and sort of contextualizes them in a way that we can actually like talk about them through the venue or the medium of entertainment. And I like that. So when we're talking about the novelty of Get Out, whether or not it's more novel for white people versus people of color, I think that there are two separate levels of novelty that we're working on right now. One is there's the the novelty that's going to pretty much be more targeted towards white people of like, wow, I I sort of I, I never really got it before, but now I'm sort of implicitly understanding from a peripheral standpoint of watching this film, sort of the undercurrents and the, the, the undercurrents of how a black person has to both physically and mentally and socially navigate throughout through a space in order to preserve themselves. I think that is is, is a form of novelty, but I think that at least speaking from my experience, yeah. the novelty of of Get Out is I don't think that I have ever really grasped a a type of I've I've seen a lot of black films. I've seen a lot of films that are talking about the black experience. I've talked a, a lot about that those sorts of experiences as for the venue of like a film like birth of a nation or for moonlight or anything. And talking about how we need a, we we need more films that speak to the multiplicity of, of black experience. But I feel like this film in particular speaks to sort of the, the, the implicit unvoiced depths of that sort of experience in interacting with others, not just being a black person, but living as a black person and navigating through, through a non-black space as a black person. Like the things that you, you can't really communicate through words or able to sort of parse out and give example to through archetypes and tropes and through, through characters and, and scenarios and stuff like that. I feel like for me, that's novel because I, honestly have not found a film that is quite like this that is able to speak to those 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 almost in those almost unconscious intrinsic patterns of of social navigation that black people have to like go through and in such a smart way yeah. to actually actually like do that so whether um i i think that immediately probably the film will probably in, in the way that you're describing it, it, will, it might come off as more novel to white people just coming out of it. But I like, feel... I'm just thinking of like the internet in the age of right like, the, the, the thing piece machine and like <laughs> it, it's it's almost it, now you know what it's like. And I don't know how. To, well, yeah, and, and that's the thing is I don't know how to phrase this without someone being racist. But that's also the point of Get Out, which yeah. is that I am racist just by virtue of being white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
seriously. But it, you know, after a movie like this, certainly we would see people of any race like mm-hmm. writing think pieces. But I think there would be more white people <laughs> writing think pieces of how yeah. someone finally tapped into the black experience rather than Jordan Peele's <laughs> Get Out finally makes racism yes. terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think what's kind <laughs> what of fuck? what's good about this movie is that on the other side of the fence is that it's <laughs> I would think that a lot of African Americans who sit down would kind of like they they've already heard this joke before. Mm-hmm. They're just now seeing the movie based on it. Yeah. And that's what's kind of both scary but also kind of exhilarating. Yeah. So. It's it's a uh... No, that's a really good question. I like that. So yeah. yeah. Just yeah definitely. throwing it out there. Anyway. Um circling all the way back is like I I honestly think that this is a prime example of the fact that I think that this film is infinitely more enjoyable to talk about for me at least than it is necessarily to watch because I've already watched it twice. I already know what my opinion is, but it's really cool to sort of like find other people who perhaps were perhaps maybe not be on the same level as it may not really enjoy it as much, but still sort of like parsing out what those, what those impressions are. It's sort of like a, it's not a litmus test for racism, it's sort of a a litmus test for how 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 do you how do you view the black experience? Do you believe that black people have have more advantages or disadvantages in the modern world? Like those sorts of questions are just like what the fuck. How do you react to his reaction of that? Um, yeah, I I I really enjoy this film. Simply just having the chance to be able to talk about it. And I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm sort of like teetering on the cusp of, of how, how I would rate this, but I think I'm going to be adventurous. Fuck it. I'm going to give it a four and four out of five. Cause I really do enjoy this film. Even if the second act, if, even though the second viewing of it didn't really grab me as much, I think that um, just being able to talk about it has really just, I, I, I feel like it's, it's served its purpose. Its purpose is an action. As as a piece of entertainment that's supposed to be both edifying and enlightening, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. I I gotta say I've never identified with a character more than I have of Chris. Um, his experience, his walk through his life. His, no, I'm kidding. I'm a white piece of shit. But <laughs> I really like this movie. And Good. what I love about liking this movie is that that comes with everything the the baby and the bathwater because. I enjoyed this as a fictional piece of horror storytelling. Like, I, I, you know, from start to finish, I thought it was enthralling. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was well-directed. And, you know, just everything I'd want from a modern-day horror film. And yet, I also like the fact that by the time I leave this movie, I hate myself just a little bit more than I already do on a normal database basis. Because when I watch, um, and I think that's ultimately what the best horror films does is that it'll either expose something that's ugly within inside of all of us mm-hmm. or within inside of a certain section of people yeah. and whatnot. And I like that this movie has the balls to do that and also not try to spread uh, the, the target to everybody. It really is demonizing a very common form of, uh, what <laughs> racism uh, something uh, that's uh, so uh, prevalent that's so prevalent and yet at the same time it is so un 
It is so unarticulated. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And so I that's what I loved about this. Um, I thought all of the symbolism was extremely blunt, but um, I think horror is a unique genre. And I think for the most part, that's where blunt symbolism thrives. We don't um, have time for fucking subtlety. Exactly. Yeah. And if, you know, it, I, this is kind of what I've been getting more and more into uh, with horror is that I love the idea that we can sit down for a hundred minutes and somehow both be entertained viscerally just as much as I am intellectually, which for me, no other genre really does that in the way that horror does. And um, the fact that this movie could not be more timely is both sad, but also awesome. Like as far as for Peel to get it out when it, when it, when it came out, <laughs> get out. But um, yeah, overall, I, I can't think of a bad thing about this movie. It's not so much that it's perfect, but I, I definitely think that it will join the ranks of, the modern day horror canon and mm. it's probably the even if i've seen a few horror movies i might have preferred to this so to speak um within recent memory i would say it's probably the horror film i'm most looking forward to rewatching it like immediately like i love the witch and i probably like the witch more than this but yet i like i don't really want to sit down and watch the witch every week or so like this is one of the most accessible and yet um ac- ac- accusatory horror film that I've ever seen and I, I like it for that. The reason. Witch is more of like a it's more of like a fable about the I hate using this word nowadays, like the universal um <laughs> the universal threat of groupthink and superstition, how yeah. it kind of like twists um spoken like a true writer. <laughs> like twists people inside out. Um and then like this one is just more of like speaks to contemporary fears, I think. It does, and I love it for that. So, I'd give this movie four out of five stars, and um, I really think the like the best part about this movie, like the virtue of it, and the the big selling point, is that what we were kind of touching on Tucson earlier with that question I posed to you mm-hmm. is that this movie I think is novel in two different ways, as you articulated, right. which is that. It, you can go see it and be blown away by either by finally seeing your experience mm-hmm. portrayed on screen, which I did not have that experience. Right. Um, or you can go see this and finally see a horror director tap into something that is so alien to your own experience, mm-hmm. but is so fucking well articulated mm-hmm. that even if you can never truly understand that experience, for one of the first times in my life when watching cinema, I felt like I was the closest I've ever been to feeling that sort of terror and dread. I felt watching this film from a from a cinematic standpoint, from watching this film, I sort of felt like how I felt when I first read James Baldwin and it sort of gave voice to ideas and, and thoughts and encounters for which I had never put to words and to have them put to words so well is just to have, have those experiences put to words is similar to how this film puts those experiences to film in such a way that is so, that is so tight and so concise and so so raw and to the point. Yeah. Just striking the nerve right where it hurts. And I got to say, this movie overall, I would say for sure from my own experience, but overall past instances I've seen of cinema depicting quote-unquote racism, mm-hmm. this has been 
I wouldn't even say the scariest, because that's obviously the point of it being a horror film, but this has been the most, I would say, unapologetic mm-hmm. uh, in its depiction of that. And yeah. that's what I love most about it, because there are so many, and usually made by white people, um, but movies that are supposed to be feel-good by the end or whatever, and this, the only people left are black people. And I think there's a reason for that. And yeah. and, and, and I love the, the mission statement that kind of comes along with that. So mm. I think everybody should see this movie. Mm. I like the font type. Me too. Thought it was good, yeah. yeah. Cool. It, it had a very old-school sort of vibe about it, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a that's a nice segue into ending our discussion yeah. about Get Out. Yeah. Uh, if you have any thoughts out there on on this film, which I'm sure many people do, get them to us. Yeah, seriously. Always feel free to either uh, Unless find us. You're on, white. Always feel free Unless to find us. You're a white us. piece of shit like Nick. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's like an all time soundbite right there. I'm just gonna just have that just. By itself to sometime just put We're going to have that I on the next episode. And that's going to be really yeah, awkward. Seriously. White piece of shit like Nick. Yeah. I need to hear it a lot. So I, please continue to say it. Yeah. I'm Maybe sorry. Tucson can turn it into a rap song. It'll be great. Thanks. <laughs> no. Anyways. Yes. Uh, if you have any thoughts on on Get Out, uh, always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. I got to say really quick yeah? before we end it, I just want to say I'm not, as much as I love this movie, I'm not a fan of the rumors of the remake where Scarlett Johansson will play Chris. I just, oh. I just honestly think that that's the wrong direction. You don't think that a white person could have pulled that off? I, I No, I think a white person could, but I don't think Scarlett Johansson I mean, come on now. has the chops like, to pull off what... Uh, yeah. I mean, if we had, if we lived in a world where you know we didn't have to, I mean, yes, we know there's a ghost, a yeah, white ghost in that well, shell. But, but if we didn't have to profile characters for you know certain roles, and you know uh, a sweet young actor like Zac Efron was able to play the role of Chris, I mean, that really could have done something powerful. Absolutely, and you know yeah. CGI is getting so good these days. <laughs> you mean blackface? <laughs> Yeah, we've come a long um, way. That's not that's CGI. A, you literally put a black face on. I think that's we, a racist term that I'm not going to abide by, Tucson. We've come a long way from the Bing Crosby uh, face paint. Oh, so. like from the jazz singer. Have we? <laughs> In terms of the ability. Man, I got to tell you about that story about the jazz singer. What? Uh, you have a story? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, like, the like, one where, like you sh- where they, I got, sh- I got they like showed a, it to your class. Yeah, they showed it to yeah, my class. told that story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyways, if you haven't been able to, to put it together on our next episode, uh, the three amigos who are usually here are going to be back. Um, amigos is a derogatory term for Mexican, so can we please say... Hombres? Okay, uh, clearly you're not understanding what I'm trying to articulate here. And, sure. The three uh, hosts. Did you just call me a hoe? <laughs> I said host. We are going oh. to be talking about Scarlett Johansson's uh, role <laughs> in the Where film. Are you you realize Scarlett Johansson's um, role oh, in the film. <laughs> yeah, in the film Ghost in the Shell, uh, which obviously we've uh, already hit on 
uh, a few times uh, previously on the podcast, talking about the the implications of her playing the role of major. And obviously, Tucson has already voiced his opinions on on this, so he won't be here. Here's, well, here's a spoiler: it's even worse than I thought it was. Okay. Well, we haven't seen the movie yet, so neither is Tucson. I know. I was going to say. So the situation is much worse than you thought it was. Yeah, so we're going to go see the film, and then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and if you have any feelings on the film Ghost in the Shell after you've seen it, again, also feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. In addition, you can find uh, this episode and that episode when it is released on our website, filmtankshow.com, or also on iTunes or Stitcher. A huge thank you to Anna Botazadu for joining us. Thank you again for having me. I know. It's, of course. It's, thank you. It's always great to have you on. You're, you're one of our favorite guests. You so. are wonderful, well, and we love yeah. having you Can here. Can we not speak for the whole table? Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> okay. So she called me a white piece of shit, okay? Yeah, that was I, great. I'm sorry. That no, was definitely rude of don't me. Don't apologize to him. Don't apologize to him. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. Uh, also, uh, thank you to the Hi, audience Nick. for listening from myself, Nick Cheney, and Tucson Egan. And our studio audience. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll catch up with you next time. Okay.